0: Hey, everybody. Thanks for subscribing to the Front Row Knowles podcast. Hope you're tuning in to listen on Real Talk Tallahassee 93.3 if you're in Tallahassee on a weekly basis, Wednesdays at noon. Also want to thank Seminole Boosters. Reminder, uh, if you're not already a member, jump on board to help make a great brand even greater. And don't forget, there are tickets available for Florida State's games this season. Just go to seminoles.com backslash tickets to grab yours. That said,
1: enjoy this week's Front Row Knowles. Broadcasting from the Prime Meridian Bank Studios in the capital city of Tallahassee, this is Front Row Knowles with Tom Block and Keith Jones. Front Row Knowles is brought to you by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way.
0: Good day, everybody. Tom and KJ
2: with you. Keith, welcome to Front Row Knowles. How are you, sir? I'm tired. I mean, I know we're halfway through the week, but I'm still getting over Saturday, uh, Saturday and Sunday, professional football.
0: The NFL weekend was unbelievable. And, and the, you know, the college basketball game, I know fans, when, when you, when you get a big lead and then you, you squander it and still win it, it, could be a sour taste. I don't have that. They They beat a good Miami team on the road as a young team. I'll take that. But the NFL was absurd. And my wife, she was annoyed because she was trying to sleep at the end of that bills and chiefs game. <laughs> and, and I'm sitting there and I'm, I'm talking and the Bills score and I'm thinking, and I actually sit out, I said, they're going to score like two or three more times here in the last two minutes of this game. And damn, if it didn't
2: happen, but it was crazy to watch it unfold. You know, I wonder, I wonder if we seen the last game, a for Tom Brady, and be the last game in a Packers uniform for uh, Aaron Rodgers. Obviously, I have no inside information, have no idea one way or the other. But uh, that part of it uh, was a little bit, um, sad's not the right word, but a little bit disappointing, I guess.
0: I don't know if you saw the ratings for it, but that Bills-Chiefs game, I think for part of it anyway, 42 million eyeballs were on it. Wow. So. The, the, the national championship game in college football got like 17 or 18 mil, I want to say. Maybe that number's off. Maybe it was mid-20s. But the point is, the NFL just dwarfs it. I'm not
2: looking at the numbers right now. I mean, it's amazing. The NFL is king. Well, that's also the difference between, quote, unquote, what we used to call cable versus uh, the, the big three or big four as it is now. It also shows that if you've got quarterbacks,
0: I mean, when you've got Pat Mahomes and you've got Tom Brady and... Joe Burrow and the cool factor and Josh Allen. I mean, they're the reason the teams are so good, but they're fun to watch too. The quarterback battle alone was unbelievable in the Chiefs-Bills
2: game. 25 points in the last one minute and 52 seconds. Wow. Exactly, exactly. Um, yeah, I don't know. Now I'm pulling – I find myself
0: pulling for Cam Akers. I mean, we, we'll talk about that a little bit later when Bob Ferranti joins us, but uh, I'm, I'm
2: glad he got off the hook with the fumbles there. You know, it it was disappointing to see that happen, but I can, and we'll talk about this more, I'm sure, because it's such an amazing story, but his ability to come back from that Achilles injury and the the value that he brings to that squad, and and at least according to the the announcers in the ballgame, how much that team appreciates him, that was very refreshing to see. Jalen Ramsey on that team, too. Of course, he got beat for a touchdown, but he's got a chance to get
0: a ring as well. So we'll we'll see how that goes. Two games on Sunday, and then we get to the Super Bowl two weeks from now. Uh, Gene Deckerhoff gets a little more rest now. Uh, he and I will call the basketball game tonight in Atlanta against Georgia Tech. And I don't know why doubt is not the right word. I don't doubt Leonard Hamilton, but I didn't see this team turning the corner the way it seems to have. And I there's a lot of basketball left, and there's going to be some some blips along the way or some hiccups, but, but man, it's impressive. And I don't care if the ACC is down to win six in a row and beat Miami twice and Duke in that stretch
2: four games in eight days. I mean, that's pretty tremendous. You know i think part of the issue is that we know how good uh, teams in the past have been so our expectation is much different than it was three or five years ago and that leads to disappointment when it doesn't go exactly the way you want it to and now that fsu has uh, strung together those back to back to back or however many backs there are you know it's going to be exciting to watch what they do tonight uh, against georgia tech a game that they should win uh, and see if they do what young teams are not supposed to do, and that is continue to play well when they've had some success.
0: You know, I do think uh, the natural tendency would be to let down with a younger team potentially. Yep, yep. But the fact that you've got key guys that didn't win an ACC championship last year because Georgia Tech beat them, even though the, the key players for Georgia Tech are gone, that might, that might light a little fire into this Florida State team tonight.
2: Well, in this this group of freshmen, I'm not going to say they're different, uh, but they are uh, hungrier, it appears. And uh, that's been impressive. Uh, Their work ethic, particularly on the defensive end, uh, usually that takes a little longer. You don't you get into about February when that finally clicks and clicks. And they've been doing it in early January fun to watch. All right, we're going
0: to run the game, but we talk some hoops right there. Mike Martin Jr. will join us next segment. FSU baseball practice starts on Friday. They are loaded on the mound, and they've retooled the guys in the field. Bob Ferrante after that. It's all straight ahead. Stay with us here on Front Row Knowles.
1: Front Row Knowles is presented by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Now back to Tom and Keith.
0: Welcome back to Front Row Knowles. Always enjoy our conversations with our next guest who joins us via the Earl Bacon Agency hotline. Florida State baseball coach Mike Martin
3: Jr. Meet is on the line. How are you, sir? I'm doing good, Tom. Everything's good. Uh, today, the weather was crappy. Couldn't get anything done, but um, got to take a day off anyway.
0: Well, yeah, they make you shut it down from time to time, but but uh, the opposite's about to happen, though, Meet, because uh, on Friday, you get to get the whole team out there, and I know you've... You've worked hard with what you've recruited, trying to fill in some holes here and there. Uh, uh, You know, do you still get just as excited? I know you're early in your head coaching career, but is it just as exciting for you to be this close to
3: opening day for practice for you? Oh, no question. You know, we've got a lot of work to do. Got to get a lot of things figured out. Um, Really love the work ethic of the team and uh, the leadership. And, uh, you know, things have been going well. We had a few COVID hiccups, but I think we got all that out of the way. So timing couldn't be better.
0: Where are we at a roster standpoint with guys having extra years and all that, and, and uh, exemptions to have more guys on the roster? What are the numbers going to shake out to be this year, meet?
3: Yeah, we've got thirty-nine um, right now. They're still looking at, you know, as far as years uh, moving forward. I, it's just a mess. I mean, we've got to get some things, some clarity because the recruiting standpoint, there's a lot of good kids that are just sitting waiting. And we don't know what to tell them. You know, we don't even know how many rounds there's going to be in this year's draft. You know, <laughs> is there even going to be a draft? You know, a lockout and everything else. So it, it's it's a lot of uh, weird weird times. Keith, it only took the question, too, and I hit
2: the hot button for Meat already. <laughs> I was going to say, it, it's all about not between the lines, and that's the frustrating part for Meat, and obviously, you hear that in his voice. You know, if you can just get between the lines let the kids play some ball, then I think we all would be happy. Is that right,
3: Coach? No question about it, and I'd like to do that with, uh, you know, packed stadiums and, you know, get just going. I, I don't know what to think, you know, what's right, what's wrong anymore, but. Um, you know, we're, we're just excited that we're able to get going and uh, get into our 20 hour week segments where we can really implement some some things that uh, are going to make guys better and make us better as a team. Well, I know it always
0: starts with pitching. It always did with your dad. And I know you really have put together a, a strong collection of arms. I saw somebody last week that's uh, – I don't know if it was Baseball America or Kendall Rodgers. I forget who it was. But basically they said that FSU staff – is right up there with texas for maybe the best in the country now you're going to tell me that you got to see these guys pitch in pressure situations but if you're at least in that conversation it's a good starting place
3: you're correct and and actually a lot of those guys i don't need to see them in pressure situations i know what they can do and um they feed off of each other and uh, it's good for our hitters to to go against those guys you know every day granted it's only in small groups and you know with time restrictions but um you know it's going to make everybody better and i think we'll be better defensively which again will help the pitching but um you know we've got a it's an embarrassment of riches if, if you will on the mound and, and, and not just on the mound,
2: meet. I mean, there there are a number of polls out early that got Florida State in the top fifteen. I, I, again, I know you're going to say until we go out and win some ball games, but uh, at least from a perspective standpoint, uh, folks are looking at this club. They're they're recognizing the talent.
3: Yeah, there there are a lot of really good players. Um, again, that whole. You know, you're only as strong as your weakest link. We got to get guys to buy in, and it's hard with big rosters and guys trying to, you know, wait their turn. And uh, we're going to be preaching an awful lot of that of, you know, next man up, injuries, COVID. There's all sorts of things that can happen throughout the season. But, um, you know, back to playing 56 games instead of 50 and, um, you know, the 12, that was the dumbest thing we've ever done as a league. We're going to play 12 conference weekends and cut six games um so we're back to normal there. That'll be a good thing. It'll be we got 36 home games for our fans. We got a great schedule. Um our off-conference weekend is going to be TCU this year. Um so it's not going to be, you know, a patty cake schedule at all. We we got a bunch of good folks.
0: Well, you got Cal coming in early in the year too. So you got Pac-12, you got Big 12 in there. I Me, mean, let's go back to to the to the pitching staff. I mean, Parker Messick is getting off an awful lot of attention uh how is he, you know, what? from last year to this year, he obviously was already at a pretty good point. But, you know, where does he need to get better? What do you hope to see from him? And, and, and just what is he, you know, describe how good he is, I guess.
3: Well, you take what you've seen the last two years and then you add a wipeout slider to the mix, which he just developed over the summer. Him and Jimmy have been working on it. It's just really elevated him to where now you really don't know what's coming because he's always been three for strikes. Now it's four for strikes at any count, um, you know, any situation. And he's as, as good as they get. You combine that with competitiveness and, um, you know, how much he's a team guy. It's just uh, he, he's a he's a difference maker and he, he's wired differently and he's going to pitch a long, long time in the big leagues. You, you, and everyone else talk about pitching and, and, and defense. What you know,
2: Florida State didn't field uh, as well as you wanted them to, and they wanted to. What what are the focus? What what are you doing to to help improve that uh, in terms of getting that fielding uh, percentage up?
3: Well, just a, a lot of ground balls, um, a lot of you know, trying to get guys to relax. You know, buy into the um, you know what the the girls that are helping us with sports psychology and, you know, how to think and how to breathe and stuff like that. I think a lot of times, you know, and then, you know, college kid, normally there's a lot of stress and social media and, you know, this, that, the other, now you throw COVID on top of it. It can make for, you know, a lot of clutter in their heads. And we're trying to get rid of all that and, you know, just getting back to fundamentals of squaring it up and, uh, not trying to do too much, just just make the routine plays. and the great plays generally happen if you have athleticism. And we do. We've got athleticism, we've got some depth and uh, the guys are pushing each other and it makes for a, you know, a good mix.
0: One thing that you have meet uh, that, that's different, and this is transfer portal and all that, but uh, I'm not used to looking at a roster and you see a transfer from the University of Florida, a transfer from the University of Miami, a transfer from LSU. But uh, you're you're plugging holes. I mean, obviously, you
3: went out and got some guys that you feel can help you this year. Absolutely, and you know, again, with all the everybody getting another year, uh, and then you throw in the grads, transfers, and stuff like that. It's it's made for a real logjam, and a lot of good players that didn't have their scholarships at other schools. And um, you know, I Florida Miami. Yeah, I never never thought I'd do it, but um, you know, everybody makes mistakes, so you got to forgive, right? <laughs> <laughs> well what do I mean, you have what do you have in those two sorry keith go ahead oh uh, yeah alex torrell is the, the consummate professional hitter if you will um yeah, i'm not exactly sure what happened down there at miami but um you know led the nation in home runs two years ago and um you know it was a situation where he needed a fresh start and you, and you see it all the time in the big leagues they, one guy's a you know 240 hitter one place and he goes somewhere else and he's a 320 and um, he's absolutely been wearing it out from the time he got here. He, he's enjoying it. Um, he's he's showing leadership. He's very, very intelligent baseball guy. Uh, and then Jordan Carrion, shortstop, second baseman from uh, the Gators. You know, he's another guy, same sort of thing. I'm I not exactly sure what was, what was off, but the you know, change of scenery has been great for him. He's been uh, – he can really pick it. He can run. He can, you know, handle a bat. We're going to hit and run a lot more. Um, Brett Roberts from Tennessee tech is a guy that's got some real thump in the bat. Uh, He can play second, third, we're, we're trying to figure out the pieces of the puzzle, you know, where guys are going to be, but um, you know, we also got Brock Mathis from Oklahoma state uh, catcher that came in at the break. And um, you know, he's been a great addition as well. Just wants to win. He wants to give it one more shot to get into pro ball. And you always worry about camaraderie and how guys are going to fit in and, you know, our coaches, I've noticed it, um, you know, guys in the organization are like, this is the neatest group of guys. You know, they come from all different parts. Everybody looks different, talks different, but they're they're good human beings. And that's what we're really excited about.
2: I mean, you got your first full squad uh, workout of 2022 on Friday. Uh, what what are gonna be, What's going to be the things you're looking for early that will give you an indication these guys are headed in the direction you want?
3: Well, make sure that their arm's in shape. You know, there, there's only so much time we can spend with them. And uh, that's what sets back teams. These guys think their arms are in shape and you do cuts and relays and you come back the next day and guys are sore, then you know they haven't done what they uh, needed to do. So I don't expect that to happen. Um, but we're going to cover, you know, again, the fundamentals, of where we're supposed to be. Our ballpark is unique. We got to make sure that's a home field advantage for us. And we're going to spend a lot of time on cuts and relays and uh, drag bunting and hitting, and running and stuff like that. But, um, you know, we got to get guys, we're going to shift more this year. Um, you know, I've, we've done it a little bit, um, but there's so much data out there now that, you know, I'm, I'm convinced we've got to to do some more shifting. So uh, getting those our spacing, right. When it comes to shifts. And if this happens, you got to do this. And this guy's got to go here and there. And, you know, there's just an awful lot of, you know, moving parts when it comes to you know guys being in different spots. So let me. Oh, Tommy!
2: Oh, Tommy! He brought out he's bought, he brought out that Moneyball book again. He's back in it. Well, but but let's let's go back, meet, and I
0: you know I'm getting so old now. I don't remember all the years, but I know you you overlapped with Kevin Cash at some point, and and the Rays have been analytics. I mean, is that part of your thought process there, or just in general? I know this is the way your mind has been wired, but but why now buying in more to that? just
3: because there's there's more data you know, again guys got another year so you've got so many more at bats, and you got you know people that can <laughs> delve into these things and all right on this breaking ball from the left-handed pitcher nine out of ten times 90 percent of the time the ball's going to this spot you know we didn't have that information or we didn't have enough data you know i want 220 at bats versus fifteen twenty at bats you know and, and now we've got all this stuff with everybody getting another year and Uh, The technology's there. It just makes all the sense in the world. You just got to get your pitchers to buy into it. There's going to be times in which, you know, a guy gets jammed and squirts one through, but you also have been helped by that shift. And we're going to keep track of that and show it to them. But you've been helped 10 times and you got burned once, you know, you got to be mature enough to overcome it.
0: Meet. I want to, I want to tread lightly. I was trying to think of the right phrase here. But, but you know that uh, when, when you got Parker Messick and your guys on the hill and you're striking out 12 or 15 a game, that's great. But when the offense is doing that too, that's an awful lot of strikeouts as a fan to sit there and watch. So so how confident are you
3: that there's going to be a lot more contact this year from your guys? Well, there has to be because it was extraordinary last year. I mean, it's literally there's no possible way we could punch out as much as we did last year. And um, we've got different types of hitters and we're going to – absolutely put together better ab's and and do things that need to be done to you know score enough runs to get some w's so um you know that that was a an aberration that was the stars lined up and you know guys can do a lot of things manipulate with the ball but you know the main thing is we've got to put the ball in play more and we've got guys that can do it and um we're excited about that I, I tried to tread
0: lightly there. There really was no beating around the bush to get to that question meet. So no, I it's impossible it. to
3: strike out more than we did last year.
2: <laughs> well, you could have me and Tommy
0: in the lineup. We
3: could help with that. Yeah. Well, I'd bunt y'all. I'd make you sack. <laughs> have you seen us run? <laughs> <laughs> Again, it's a sack. I don't I don't care about the out. I need to move a, move a runner.
2: <laughs> and then he'd uh, pull us once we got on first base. <laughs>
0: That's correct. All right, Meet. Hey, we'll we'll let you get running. But uh I'm excited for baseball. Uh and I, I think you will have crowds out there and and uh, uh, you know I like the buzz. How many guys are throwing 90 plus on that staff right now? I mean, how many guys you
3: got? All of them? <laughs> Ninety. I mean 95. I think we got 12 that have hit and thrown a baseball 95 miles an hour. And I may be off a couple, meaning higher than that. I think it was 12. Yeah. Yeah. So you don't want Keith and I hitting
0: let's, let's no, scratch that
3: plan no 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 our old eyes you don't you don't need to you don't need to be looking at that hey all we're right. gonna be we're gonna be locker room attendants that's what we're gonna do
2: i'll i'll, <laughs> I'll pick up the laundry <laughs> <laughs> hey meet, best,
0: best of luck to you this year I, i'm excited about what this season brings and uh, hopefully it's a, it's some normalcy and uh you can get back after doing what you love best have fun we'll do buddy thanks so much guys all right Bye-bye. mike martin jr yeah i'm Hadn't been that well. I guess it has been. We're pushing a decade since I was calling games, Keith. You know, it used to be 90 plus was a big deal, but he quickly jumped in about the 95 plus there. So I shortchanged him a lot, but 12, it's been amazing. And, I mean, when, and when I was calling the games, I, I called with Lulu from 07 to 13, I think. You know, you might have had two guys that were throwing 90 plus or, or up to 95 at that point. So I mean, it's it's been a complete change for sure. All right, we got to take a break. We will uh, move over to football. Bob Ferrante, our Osceola insider, will join us when we
1: come back. Stay with us here on Front Row Knowles. Be sure to subscribe to the Front Row Knowles podcast and follow at Front Row Knowles on Twitter. Now back to at underscore Tom Block and Twitterless Keith Jones. Yes, you heard us right in the Prime Meridian Bank Studios.
0: Welcome back. Time to crank open that Earl Bacon Agency hotline and say hello to Bob Forante from the Osceola, the Earl Bacon Agency, ensuring your future together. Bob, how are you?
4: Doing well. How are you
0: guys? We're good. Where do you want to start on this? I mean, we're not we're not front row NFL. We're front row Knowles, but, and I know we're into the middle of the week. That was the most ridiculous weekend of pro football I've ever seen. I didn't watch all four games, but just the last two minutes Sunday night was enough. That was crazy.
4: I made the mistake of going to sleep Saturday night without catching the end of uh Packers Niners thinking, well, you know, the, the Packers will be in and, and I'll just catch the highlights in the morning was wrong there. Um, enjoyed the, uh, the, the Bucks game with the Rams in the afternoon and then uh, the Sunday night game that would never end that you thought was over at least three or four times before, before we finally got to the conclusion. So it was, I know some of the NFL writers were talking about this, maybe being the best divisional playoff game weekend in history, and I have no context to offer there, but it, it seems like um, everybody was really happy with, with all, all the
2: games being competitive and close. But the, the fans that hated it the most are the Falcons fans, because when Brady and the Bucks got down and then started coming back, they were all reliving Brady bringing New England back in that Super Bowl that uh, got away from them. No I was question. watching
4: Al Michaels, and I thought, "Is Al Michaels going to have to dust off?" Do you believe in miracles as the Bucks try to try to come back from this uh, crazy deficit? But it was uh, it, it was an entertaining game. But I know there's some there's some Bucks fans unhappy about it. Felt uh,
2: so uh, disappointed and, and heart for old Cam Cam Acres. I mean, that the team ended up winning, but man, he had had such a great recovery from that Achilles, and uh, to put the ball on the ground a couple of times. I know he'll bounce back from it, and I know no one felt worse than he. But, uh, you know, when you pull for your alma mater and the kids that went through the program, I, I felt bad for
4: him. Yeah, same here. I mean, his, his recovery from an Achilles injury, I think it's surprised just about everybody. There's been some really good stories, you know, nationally and locally about how, how quickly he has come back, how diligently he's been, you know, treating his rehab. And I think it just shows you that he wanted to have a shot to be back in the playoffs. And it's uh, it's, a, it's a team that really loves him. I think appreciates what he offers. And, you know, if they're smart, they'll, they'll coach him through this and they'll realize that they've got some good running backs, him and Sony, um, Michelle, and, and they, can, they can make it to the Super Bowl, um, I believe, on their home turf because it, it'll be in L.A. So that, that would be would be pretty cool for the Rams to, uh, to pull that one off.
0: It'd be two years in a row if that happened. Hey, we'll get into current FSU news, but where would you put Cam Akers on the list of – I don't know if underappreciated is the right word – Maybe it is because he played on not great teams and during the transition years from Jimbo to Taggart to Norvell. But I'm telling you, if he played in 99 or he played in the mid-90s, I mean, his numbers would be what Warwick Dunn's numbers are or what Dalvin Cook's numbers are.
4: Yes, I think certainly up there. And you have to look at yards after contact because that was always the great number with a guy like Dalvin or Cam. It was the offensive line wasn't great. But those were two guys who were making it happen. I think they were responsible for a number of wins by themselves just because of how they played. You know, Historically, I, I would say a guy like Greg Allen is one who's really underlooked in, in Florida State history. But, but when you look at Cam, what he did in three years, um, if you're stacking just running backs best three years at Florida State and not factoring in a four-year career or whatnot, Cam's up there. Cam is really up there, I think he'll, uh, I think he'll make up for those two fumbles and, and have a good playoffs here.
0: I'm going to pin that on the Rams. The guy didn't go through contact all year, and then at, at winning time, when he's been out five and a half months, they're just handing him the football. Anyway, we'll change subjects. The uh, kudos to to FSU Athletics and Sports Information and, and Mike Norvell because they've been all the newcomers are are slowly but surely meeting the uh, the FSU media contingent. We had a, a few more this week. Uh, particularly the offensive line haul. So what was your impression of the two, the, the two all's everybody that talks about Alex Atkins has really good things to say about them. So that kind of resonated with me, some of their comments, but what, what were your thoughts on, on hearing what they had to say?
4: Yeah, I, I think you won't be surprised by this, but, but, you know, Caden Lyles came in for the Florida state Miami weekend uh, and that's the Wisconsin transfer. He got to see, um, you know, that weekend from, from the sideline, he got to spend some time with Alex Atkins and the offensive lineman. It's clear he built a good relationship with Dylan Gibbons. He got to see what was the blueprint for a guy transferring from um, from a Northern school, from a potential college football playoff type of team um, to to Florida State, what he could do as a leader, what he could do as a veteran in the group. And I thought with, with Caden in particular, I was curious, is this a guy who could be a center or a guard, how do you fit him in with Murray Smith? It was clear when I asked him what his intentions were and what Alex Atkins' intentions were. He says, I'm a center, that's where I'm comfortable, that's where I feel like I can lead too. So it, it does open up some questions, I think long-term, but, but really, Forsyth didn't have two centers last year, had to move Darius Washington over. This truly gives you two centers. So if you have an injury, if you have something that goes wrong for a game, short-term, long-term, you've got guys and you're not playing musical chairs like you were last year. I think that's the overall Alex Atkins strategy, and I like it. You're building depth at all positions. So I I like it overall. I think Caden has a lot of experience to bring to the table, a guy who has played guard and tackle. Um, Bless Harris is a little bit of an unknown. I think he's played, obviously, at the FCS level. He's played various positions, guard, tackle, thinks he will settle in at at left tackle. But I think really those first uh, days of spring practice will tell us, is he truly a a left tackle? How much work does he need to get to get up to speed against uh, a power five level of defensive lineman? So I think, of has two good ones, one being an immediate one year starter type, one being a a development type. And, And we'll see there. Tatum Bethune, the UCF transfer, I thought he was incredibly candid. He said nothing against UCF, Like UCF a lot, just wanted to come to Florida State, see what he could do here, had a great relationship with Randy Shannon. So I think that is a really good fit too for a program that has had a very hard time developing linebackers. Again, remember, Telvin Smith is the last drafted linebacker from Florida State, and it's been a long time. So if Florida State feels like uh, Tatum Bethune is the guy and Randy Shannon is the coach of that group, they might have two guys who are draft worthy between Tatum and Kalen Deloach. Those are two good guys to have short term, and and maybe maybe both of them are sticking around for twenty twenty three too. So you have to feel pretty good about about those three guys in particular.
2: I love the uh, they they weren't veiled comments, but the uh, kind of the under breath comments about this off season conditioning program and wait room i've I've not experienced anything like this
4: you know i think it's interesting though if you ask players like yourself and from from your teams you'll say well it was harder back in our day than it is now but all the guys who are coming in say this this is tough this is really something that challenges who you are your commitment and if you mess up the guy next to you is going to be penalized things like that so it very much is instilling accountability and I think that's very important, especially for, for, say, the true freshmen who are enrolling early. They are understanding what the standard is immediately. They may not do it right, but they're going to do it early. They're going to do it often. It's going to be painful. And, and they're, they're playing and trying to be prepared to play as best as possible. Um, I, I think it just it enforces the standard. And I think that's what Coach Norvell is trying to do. Um, it, it's just set a baseline of what the expectations are for the program.
0: News earlier this week, and it was officially announced, but we knew it a, a week or two ago about the transfer running back from Oregon. Is there clarity? Did he get in school for the spring, or is he coming in May? Is he able to participate in spring practice, in other words?
4: It's a good question. I'm not sure. I think there is a there is going to be an effort to get him in early. I think on the, on the positive side, from a football standpoint, you know, Coach Norvell saying that his knee is fully healed. I think those were the two biggest words of that email from Florida State, just seeing that Trey Benson's knee is fully healed. And so there is confidence. From a medical standpoint, they've reviewed it. They feel good about where he is. Um, I would still argue we'll see on the practice field in the spring if he's back fully ready or not, or if, similar to other injuries, it's just going to take him a little bit of time to where he gets back to feeling like like himself yet again.
2: Tommy's a little happy. Uh, the, the the actual ACC schedule is going to come out on Monday. He he would prefer it came out three years ago, but he'll be happy that it comes out on Monday. I haven't really railed on that lately, KJ. Have I? I feel like that one's disappeared <laughs>
0: from my playbook over the last couple of years. Hey, well, you'll be happy on Monday. That's all I can say. The most notable thing that's going to happen, Bob, and I'll let you jump in and this is in my playbook, is because FSU is starting in August with Duquesne, they'll get two bye weeks this year. And I have to imagine that the first one will be immediately after the LSU game before week three, because otherwise you're going to play a conference opponent on six days instead of seven days. So I'm sure they'll take one there, and then we'll have to figure out the rest of the season. But they're going to go eight conference opponents in a row because you've got two non-cons to start the year, and then you've got your two non-cons in Louisiana and Florida to finish the year. So that's the way the schedule, I mean, there's 10 weeks to play eight straight conference games in there with a couple of buys mixed in.
4: Well, I think you've done all the heavy lifting there. You bookended the schedule. Why don't we just get the ACC to leak it to us early and and we'll just, we'll knock it out. I I think the one thing I would just mention is the ACC is finally making a big deal of the schedule announcement. We've gone from press release, Twitter, this Twitter, that to, you know, Packer and Durham had it for a few years in the morning now they're kind of making a prime time thing where where they'll get fans of, of all the schools watching and kind of, you know, understanding how they can fill out their calendar in advance. So I, I think this is a good thing for the conference to announce it as early as possible, just that so we can all kind of start marking the calendars and, and, you know, figuring out the wins and losses and all that good stuff.
0: Hey, let's go to basketball in a minute, but I don't know if you saw this tweet the other day, Bob, and it was Mackenzie Milton weighed in. But. When he was at UCF in 2017, did you see this about who his receiving core was? So I, I bring this up because it it's, continues to boggle the mind that it's been so long for Florida State. But in 2017, Mackenzie Milton was thrown to Traequan Smith, who's with the Saints, Jordan Akins, who's with the Texans, and Gabriel Davis, who set an NFL record with four touchdown catches the other night in that Bills game. That was the receiving core. They're all NFL guys, and Florida State's almost at a decade putting somebody in the league. And I, we don't have to have that whole conversation, but it is a little eye-opening when you see that to think that FSU can't get somebody that, that they can get to the next level.
4: You know, with the exception of, I think, Auden Tate, it, you have to maybe go back to, say, Kelvin, Benjamin, Rashad Green, where they've had a drafted receiver. So, yeah, again, I think Norvell understood the immediacy of having to get four transfer receivers in there now. I think there's some draftable guys in there. I think Winston Wright Jr. knows he's – He's just yeah. elevating his profile. He's a smaller receiver. He just has to maybe have that profile that I think, I think you, you are raising a profile at Florida state compared to the, the wide open big 12 style of play with West Virginia. And, and really who knows what, what's going to happen short-term, long-term with um, you know, say a, a due span, but Micah Pittman has return capabilities in addition to being a receiver And, and, uh, and Johnny Wilson at at six, seven, if he can catch anything near, he's already been kind of compared body type to a Kelvin Benjamin. If he is one third as good in in year one, I think the Seminoles will be really happy about what they can get him to do as a multi-year transfer receiver.
2: Bob, is uh, the, the men's basketball program, if you will, kind of limped into the Christmas season, I don't think any of us expected to see us, them sitting at the top of the ACC, what, six in a row now?
4: Yeah, I think it, it goes back to the whole continuity, cohesion issues that, that Coach Hamilton was talking about. And I think this staff knew when to be patient, when to push. They've really gotten a lot out of this team, even with Malik Osborne's injury. You know, they had to sit him against North Florida. They had to manage his minutes against Miami. Um, first half looked pretty awesome. Second half looked, you know, pretty ugly. But in the end, I do wonder if, if a young team like this learned something by being in a, in a crowded atmosphere, road game, fired up student section, um, when everything's kind of going against you late in that second half, that they were able to win down in Miami. I think that might do something for a young team. It it might really be big, especially when you're going on the road in February You're playing at places like North Carolina, Virginia, Duke. Um, Not saying you're going to win them, but it does help you to have those experiences in some kind of crazy
2: road atmospheres. One of the standard things, and and I've preached it for two or three decades, is young teams do not know how to play with a lead and they don't know how to finish a ball game. Well, you got... You got both those opportunities in the Miami contest. (laughs) (laughs) That was also, to be fair, that was four and eight days. At the start of that
0: stretch, I thought if they can go two and two, that's all right. And they go four and oh, Uh, as Jimbo used to say, never apologize for a win, right? I know what that second half looked like, but I also know that it shows up on the left side in the win-loss column and not on the right side. So let's take it. I, I hate to think about next year already. Obviously, you know, guys like Raquan and Malik are moving on, but I really think if somehow Cleveland comes back and you look at him with with Morley and Cleveland and Butler and Caleb Mills, that's that's four pretty athletic, talented guys that would be the nucleus next year.
4: I think the coaching staff will do a good job of kind of, pitching the development that they've done with their, their prior guys, a guy like Devin was um, he was patient, stuck with it two years. It worked out. There's always going to be examples. There's going to be the, the Patrick Williams, the Scotty Barnes example the guys that were clearly NBA ready. I, I think there is an example of, of, for Matthew Cleveland, stay, improve your jump shot. Academics are very important to Matthew too. He might want to get as many class credits in before he you know, moves on to the NBA. And it's, it's just going to be harder and harder to kind of sneak in classes toward a degree. So I, I think Florida State can truly preach development versus going to the NBA and maybe you're stuck, you know, deeper on the bench on a team that, that may not care to develop you short term. Um, that's always kind of the question mark that I have is if you get stuck with the wrong franchise, the wrong coach or you get stuck in some kind of coaching change, it may just kind of put you in a bad spot from a developmental standpoint. So um, I, I would always advocate for a college guy to stick around two years unless he's got just high-end NBA-ready abilities like we've seen with with Scotty and um, and Patrick.
0: We'll see what he decides to do. Bob, appreciate the conversation as always, sir. Take care. Our Osceola insider, Bob Frente, and we'll wrap up Front
1: Row Knowles right after this. Be sure to subscribe to the Front Row Knowles podcast and follow at Front Row Knowles on Twitter. Now back to at underscore Tom Block and Twitterless Keith Jones. Yes, you heard us right in the Prime Meridian Bank Studios.
0: Back on Front Row Knowles as we wrap things up, Keith. We, we started talking basketball at the end and, and Matthew Cleveland. His Both his parents actually went to Georgia Tech. So tonight's game in Atlanta and, and he's an Atlanta kid. I don't know if that'll be good or bad. You know, sometimes when everybody from the family's around, that can
2: be a little too much. But he's he's uber talented, so we'll, well see. The, the, the two things it does for a youngster is number one, it gets them excited because they will have family, and number two, he finds out who his true friends on the team are, so he can get complimentary tickets when they're not <laughs> using them. <laughs> that's that's well said. You know, FSU has won fifteen
0: out of the last nineteen against Georgia Tech, but. They've lost the last two, including the ACC championship game. And, man, that was one that got away. And, and Jose Alvarado, I uh, he's like, you know, there's there's players every now and then. If he's on your team, you're going to defend everything he does. And if he's on the other team, you're just going to hate him to death. And he falls in the ladder since he was on the Georgia Tech team. But he's gone, and their, their big fella down low is gone, and they've struggled this year. But, uh, you know, when you look at the composition of the roster – Florida state in the back of its mind has lost his last couple of times against Georgia tech and they've won. So I, I do think FSU finally getting a couple days rest, hopefully has a real good showing tonight. Though but I think your comment earlier about
2: FSU and the second half against Miami being a result of playing those four games in eight days uh, does have merit. Uh, but again, a, a young team, You know, you can talk about it, you can try to simulate it in in practice, but making it happen in the game in terms of playing with a lead and then playing with a close lead at the end, there's no better experience than that than experience.
0: I never saw this come in the six game win streak. And, nope. you know, nope. now you start doing the opposite. You start looking at the schedule. And before, if you're beat, you, you know, you're more pessimistic and you're counting losses. Now you go the other way you start counting everything as a win. Right. But the reality is I'll say this, Keith, because you were with the program when they went on the road and for two or three years and didn't win a game. This is a young basketball team that's three and one in the ACC.
2: So what if it's down that's the three and one on the road in the ACC that's saying something. I went 0 and 27 over a two and a half, almost three year span. 0 and 27 in ACC regular season games on the road. That was a lot of fun.
0: Yeah. Fortunately, we weren't doing a show to recap it back then. Anyway, we're out of time. <laughs> we'll uh, catch up again next week. He's Keith, I'm Tom. Thanks for tuning in to Front Row Knowles.